Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're listening to the Locked On Broncos Podcast, hosted by Cody Rourke, your daily Broncos podcast. It is a special off-season crossover edition here in the AFC West. You've heard from your boy Q of Lockdown Raiders this week. You've heard from David Dragomir of Lockdown Chargers. Now we get to hear from Ryan Tracy, host of the Lockdown Chiefs podcast. So nice. We get to see him twice in an additional time in the off-season. Ryan does a great job covering the Chiefs alongside Chris Clark. And Ryan, thank you so much for taking time this off-season to jump on. And let's talk about the state of the AFC West. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is always fun. I, I enjoy these, especially because I live in Denver. So uh, I see a lot of folks that watch your show every day. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, and, and that's the cool thing is there's, you know, one thing I think that uh, Chiefs fans and Broncos fans have kind of unified a little bit on this, especially with like even the Raiders with your boy Q. I know Broncos fans like your insight that you provide, Ryan, when it comes to covering the team. So I know Broncos fans really appreciate that. I've ruffled a few feathers, I think, in Chiefs Kingdom. I, I don't know why, but it, it is what it is. But anyways, thank you for joining me, man. I got a lot of questions. I'm going to ask it on the Broncos side pertaining to Kansas City because I know a lot of Broncos fans want to know what the hell is up with the salary cap? Is that a myth? Because the Kansas City Chiefs continue to add talent and add premier players, despite the fact that they have the record-setting quarterback. Well, it was him until Dak Prescott, but that's still a lot of money. Yeah, it, it is a lot of money. Although, when you hear guys like um, like Joel Corey talk about the possibility here in the next two years of getting like the 500 or 260 and eventually 300 million on the cap – all of a sudden, it looks like, hey, if you can get through the next 24 months, you're going to be in pretty good shape on that contract. And it is difficult, but yeah, uh, Brett Veach and Brent Tillis, Brent Tillis in particular is their, their cap guru, and he's been able to maneuver in ways. They're one of the first teams to use the void year, which is really popular right now. There are consequences down the line for that, so they've been sparing. They used it when they had to, and now they've backed off of it in order to try to get that bottom line back out from under them. In a couple of years past, you know, with, with guys like Eric Berry and Justin Houston, where you had residual money still on the table, um, it's counting his debt against your cap. Like they needed to do some creative things. I don't expect them to continue to be that crazy, um, but there's a little bit of magic down there in uh, the Chiefs front office. No, you got to be able to maneuver that. I mean, financial accounting, I took that in college. And I tell you what, that's stressful. I can't imagine being a salary cap guy for an NFL team. That is just nuts there. But I want to ask you a little bit. Let's focus on the Chiefs defense. You know, obviously Steve Spagnuolo back again for another season that you guys acquired former Denver Bronco Will Parks this offseason. But there's already safety depth there with Tyron Matthew. There's the talks about an extension with him. But then Juan Thornhill, how how might Will Parks kind of fit into the role of the rotation of Spag's defense? Because, I mean, he's an energetic player. He can help on special teams. But in terms of the defensive rotation, how much do they really want to mess with Thornhill and Matthew being on the field? Or even Dan Sorensen. I can't even forget him. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. Um, Spags wants to go to more three safety sets. When he goes dime, he wants to be out there. He'd, He'd rather be in dime than nickel, to tell you the truth because he feels that he's more adaptable, he's more versatile that way. And it's funny that you bring up Will, because I was going to ask you about him too, because I feel like uh, Will's got the the that versatile skill set that fits into what the Chiefs want to do. He doesn't have to be a Simmons. He doesn't have to be elite at that position. He can fill a nice role in between, much like you saw Will Fuller do for the Chiefs a few years ago. I expect him to come walk down a little bit and play some nickel, like, what, three seasons ago? Is, is when his snaps were pretty high in, in the nickel rather than at the safety spot. I think yeah. that's it. And if he's there, you're fourth, and you know that you can leave him high if you need to, and you can put him down 
on a slot receiver if you need to. I think that's what they're looking for because I agree with you. They don't want to disrupt the trio of Sorensen, Matthew, and Thornhill if they don't have to. Um, now, Juan didn't get on to the practice field until last week uh, through OTA, so he's still recovering a little bit. He played out the end of the season, but that knee was never 100% coming off the ACL his rookie year, and so they're really looking for him to get all the way back to 100% and really make the next step forward. I, I like that, too, and I think Will's going to be a great energy addition. I mean, I've had him on the show here, Lockdown Broncos. We had our own segment called Keeping It Will. He's a really fun and laid-back guy, but he's an energizer bunny. He's good against the run. I imagine him being in the nickel. That's where he played in Denver, really, in his career in the last couple of seasons under Vic Fangio. He played in that nickel, and if you talk about Spags going to more of a dime look, the Broncos, they're going to live in dime this year, which we see because I think there's a team in the AFCS called the Kansas City Chiefs that loves to go four by one. They like to go empty, spread, whatever you can get. As many receivers on the field as possible. Denver's going to have to find a way to match up with that. We'll talk about that later. But let's talk about the offensive side of the ball, too. Sammy Watkins, obviously a departure, but it didn't really seem like that was too big of a deal because you have a lot of great wide receiver depth as is. Who might step up into that role that Sammy Watkins played for the Chiefs last year? And also, let's talk about the offensive line. New additions. You got, obviously, uh, Lucas Niang returning, LDT. And then now you have uh, Chris Long. I know he suffered an injury, but should be ready to go for the regular season. Yeah, they're saying that the uh, first week of camp, he should be back and, and up and running. Now, you know, obviously, uh, passing camps and OTAs, it, it was non-contact. It wasn't a huge deal. Knock on wood. Now, this is a guy with a lot of injury history, so there is a bit of concern there overhauling. But um, like you said, there's there's a million new faces. Uh, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif finally came back. He opted out last season, uh, was practicing medicine in Canada. He He is the guy that got his medical degree while he was playing ball. Uh, and at that point, coming back, he made the comment in the press for the other day that, hey, you know, I, I know Wiley, who Broncos fans know because he started a couple times against him. And I know Allegretti, who started some games last year. He's like, other than that, everybody else is new. The whole room has been overturned except for those three guys. It says a lot. And I think everyone likes to call it an overreaction. You see a lot of national analysts calling it. Brett Feach is overreacting that. Well, when that's the limitation, I don't think – when you can point to that as the single reason that your team was not able to compete in the Super Bowl after getting to the Super Bowl with four backups, I, I don't think you can call that an overreaction. I don't, I don't know how I could even term that. It is a reaction that is necessary because that's what your limitation was. Um, now, did they overspend in some places? Yeah, probably. But uh, better to have the horses up front than not, just to use a Broncos term. Uh, and, and I like the way that that's going. Now, on the wide receiver spot, Sammy was great at what he did in his performance in the Super Bowl 54, especially against Richard Sherman, clearly made some big plays. The problem is Sammy is Sammy and he hasn't been available. And so what they've allowed to do is bring up some younger players. You're still going to see Demarcus Robinson in that fight. You're going to see Byron Pringle in that fight. You're also going to see Corno Powell. And I don't think it's going to be early. I think by the time that the, the Broncos and Chiefs play the second time you might see Powell on the field, but it's going to be that kind of three-man race. There's a couple of, of X factors out there. Darius Fountain's having a good offseason at this point. He never really made a big splash on the field for the Colts, but he's got a lot of upside. Um, you're going to see a couple of fresh faces out there too, and uh, it's really going to be about can McCole Hardman take the step forward and become a true number two. Well, that's an interesting question, too. Obviously, we've heard the uh, the offseason comments from Le'Veon Bell, the running back position, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire is there. You mentioned those run, that wide receiver depth there. You have some speed, as you mentioned. Uh, and, and the AFC West schedule is really interesting, I think, on our part, at least for the Broncos and the Chiefs, because in the final four games of the season, the Broncos have, uh, I think, three AFC West divisional matchups, two of them against Kansas City. So 
for me, I'm, I'm looking at that final stretch of the season, you know, maybe if Kansas City, because I know they're the odds on favor, and rightfully so, they deserve that respect, obviously being the defending um, Super Bowl champions two years ago and obviously making it back last season. Uh, but being able to see how this division falls out, especially in those final four games, will be critical, especially for the Broncos, who are really trying to be on the up and up in the AFC West. But uh, the Chiefs look reloaded, Ryan, and I would be remiss to say that, you know, hey, this is the year they take a step back. I don't think that's going to be the case. It's going to be tough. But I also think that in a couple of the matchups that the Broncos had against the Chiefs last year, Denver did a good job defensively. Mm -hmm. Offensively, in the first game, it was rough. That Sunday night football game was a back-and-forth slobber knocker. Uh, it was a really entertaining game, but Denver just didn't have the offensive firepower. And obviously, when you throw the you throw an interception you know, a couple of times in that game, it's going to really limit your chances. So I'm looking forward to seeing these matchups in person. But I know the Kansas City Chiefs are still going to be the perennial favorite in the AFC. But coming up here in just a moment, Broncos country and Chiefs kingdom, we're going to get into the conversation where Ryan's going to ask me about the Denver Broncos. He's intrigued, and the Chiefs fans, I'm sure, are intrigued as to what the Broncos are up to. I know they're eyeing the quarterback competition, but that's going to be a subject we'll get to coming up here in just a moment. But before we do that, I have to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode of the show. That's our good friends of their betonline.ag, and betonline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. You get all the latest news, odds, and info on all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC and MMA action. So before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device to check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. If you head to the website right now or use your mobile device to sign up today, you can receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code LOCKEDON. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. I appreciate, and I think most of Chiefs Kingdom would appreciate the fact that you still consider them the odds-on favorite. I don't know how much longer that lasts, though. I, for one, don't think that Aaron Rodgers plays another game in Green Bay. How do you feel about it? And if not, do you still feel like you're the favorite there to try and wrangle him out of uh, the Packers' grip? Well, you know, according to Ben Albright of KOA, you know, he does Broncos country tonight. He's got some pretty good ties to situation. He says there's about a 60-40% chance that Rodgers plays in Denver this season. However, Ryan, as we sit here today, I mean, it's really hard to imagine since Green Bay has been so firm on saying, hey, we are not trading Aaron Rodgers. We are firm, especially even though their team president has made some really interesting comments about Rodgers being a complicated guy. I can't imagine that's going to help their relationship. But I was talking on it with, with the Lockdown Chargers guys yesterday that – it's going to be the point where I think that the Packers at one point are going to have to give up and say, okay, fine, we'll trade you. Or they're going to not budge at all and say, hey, you're either going to sit out or retire. Regardless, we're not going to trade you. So there, there's a lot of different angles on this. And so I haven't been really too focused on getting caught up in all the Aaron Rodgers talk. I will say if Aaron Rodgers is traded to the Denver Broncos, I definitely think it maybe adds to the conversation that those Kansas City Chiefs Broncos games are going to be much more meaningful, more nationally televised games probably for Denver in certain situations and matchups. But I also think it gives the Broncos probably a better chance to compete with the Chiefs for the AFC West. Now, right now, that's obviously not the case. The Broncos quarterbacks, Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater, Brett Rippon as the number three guy. And you never know. Everything can change. But right now, I think the focus is on Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater for Locke. This is his third season entering the National Football League. And he's got an opportunity to get another year. George Payton came in as a new general manager for the Broncos this offseason. He said, hey, we're not going to just get rid of Drew Locke. We're not going to give up right away because we really don't have a plan. And the Broncos, they were really high on Trey Lance in this year's NFL draft, more so than it were on Justin Fields. So when Justin Fields was available at nine, Denver went with Pat Sertan, who was obviously the number one player on their board. So they decided that they were going to go with Sertan. They weren't going to take the risk on Fields because if you miss on it, well, obviously it's another whole quarterback conversation and everything, especially right before the draft. Aaron Rodgers' talk started to circulate. So 
there's all and it's chaos, Ryan. And I tell you, you know, it's not a dull a dull day in Broncos country because the fan base is really divided on quarterback and that they need to get rid of Drew Locke, they need to get rid of Teddy, they need to bring in Rodgers, they need to bring in Deshaun Watson. But the reality is, can't focus on that until it happens, right? So for Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater, they've been doing a good job in, in OTAs and minicamp, pushing each other in competition. Nobody's got an edge yet. And the, and the coaches say there's about 2 to 3% of the evaluation that they've had so far. There's still that 97% they have to go, and that's going to be training camp and preseason. That will ultimately determine whether or not one of those guys is a starter or if something does happen on the Rodgers front, the Broncos, they're, they're expected to be aggressive if he is made available. It makes perfect sense to me, and I'm sure we'll talk about how that changes the division coming up in the, the later piece here. But for me, I think it's it's a tough job George Payton walked into, right? Especially when at the last minute before the draft, you get all this news. Now, I know he had a, a relationship with Teddy. He was in the room when he was drafted, and I, I think that plays a big part of it, right? But for me, I think that is what it comes down to is can Teddy take another step forward? I know he had some choice things to say about how he spent last season. And I, I think, especially for Chiefs Kingdom, having Drew Locke come from Missouri so that they know him pretty well. I think there's a lot of Chiefs fans that are pulling for Drew to kind of come ahead and, and take over from Teddy. Do you think that that's in the cards? Or if you had to pick where we are now in the lull before training camp, who do you think has the edge? You know, for me, I would have to go with Drew Locke. You know, Teddy Bridgewater, he's a guy that's going to take what the defense gives him. You know, we heard from him actually in minicamp that, you know, he believes that his uh, deep ball aspect is a little overlooked. He's just a guy that takes chances, you know. But then again, I, I, I look at his product. I look at his film work. You know, there was a time, 2015, Teddy Bridgewater was a guy that would bomb it downfield. 2020 Bridgewater and 2019 Bridgewater with the Saints was a different guy. I mean, he's going to take what defenses give you. He's going to manage the game. He's not necessarily going to put you in a position where he's going to hurt you in a detrimental way. He's going to keep you competitive, especially if you have a balanced run game and a defense that is pretty damn good. So I think that that is a positive thing about Teddy Bridgewater. But for Drew Locke, you look at the arm talent that he has. I mean, nobody can deny he's got a big rocket arm. And sometimes he makes the craziest throws throwing off of his back foot, which anybody looks at, they say, hey, stop throwing off your back foot. It's frustrating to watch. Drew is taking an emphasis this offseason and working on his footwork and, and obviously his stance. He's no longer a right foot forward or a right foot back guy. He is even killed like Peyton Manning and obviously helps a little bit when you're doing 10-hour uh, film sessions with Peyton Manning in the offseason. I would <laughs> I would kill to be able to be able to have that luxury. But, you know, I think that Drew's probably the best bet right now, at least for the Broncos in 2020. And look, if Drew Lockett, let's say no trade happens, the Broncos stick with Lock this year. If he struggles and he, he obviously underperforms, then it tells the organization, hey, he's not the guy. We need to make a concerted effort this offseason in finding the actual replacement at that position. And Denver's going to you know do that. But they don't want to give up on Drew Locke too quickly without giving him a chance to succeed. Because imagine if they traded him or got rid of him now, he goes on to some team and has massive success maybe in a year or two. Everyone's going to say, hey, you had this guy. Why did you get rid of him? So George Payton calculated going through his due diligence. I think it's a smart move right now. I think it's going to work out for them. And I think no matter who it is, it's going to revolve about who's going to be catching those passes. And I, I tell Broncos fans this all the time when I see them around town, and I'll I'd say it on the national show as well. I think the Broncos have the second best receiver in this division behind Tyreek Hill, and we all know what Tyreek Hill can do. I think Cortland Sutton has the potential to be right up there with him. And I think he's going to help evolve what that quarterback battle is. But how do you feel about where he is in recovery versus where Jerry Judy is in development? And do you think that they can become a tandem to be scared of? 
Man, absolutely on paper, right? But then the on-field product has to suggest that. Now, Corlin Sutton only played in one game last year for the Broncos. He didn't play in that week one opener against Tennessee because that week in practice, he had a shoulder injury just going up and trying to catch the ball. His shoulder popped out of place, so they didn't obviously play him. He was able to play that Monday night opener against Tennessee, but they decided to be cautious. He returns against the Pittsburgh Steelers. First play of the game, 44-yard catch down the left sideline on a deep ball. And then he had a back shoulder throw. Then he had another deep ball down the right side. And then he had a pass that went through his hands, tipped up, intercepted, and then he tore his ACL on the interception trying to make a play, trying to make the tackle. And that really summarized his 2020. So he's been really attacking the offseason. He's emerged as that leader in that wide receiver room. And you mentioned Jerry Judy. I mean, Jerry Judy's route running ability is impeccable. We've seen it live in action. I don't think there's anybody that can really guard him one-on-one, but it's if he can look the ball and make that play. Judy is a special talent, not to mention that. But then guess what? Tim Patrick's returning this year, and Chiefs fans know who Tim Patrick is because oh, yeah. he had a hell of a game Sunday night football, and he's just a sizable guy. So when you have two six foot four, six foot five guys, you have a lot to work with if you're a quarterback. I mean, ideally, I'm throwing it up high to the outside where nobody else can get it, even if a DB is draped on the hip. That, to me, is a, you know where I'm looking at for the Broncos and the wide receiver core. They have a great unit. As you mentioned, I do think that Corlin Sutton, you know, he's easing up. He's getting to 100% the Broncos. They're going to ease him up into training camp. You know, he's been full go, really, in OTAs, but they don't want to ease him into training. They don't want to throw him in full swing in training camp right away. They want to ease him in because it's a little bit more physical. There's more contact involved, and they want to keep him fresh and healthy for the start of the season. I think it's going to be interesting with with that group and and whether Noah Fant becomes somebody that can actually exploit the the opportunities that he has due to the other two guys. I'm I'm pretty impressed that we made it this far and I haven't asked about the defense because I'm a defensive first guy. <laughs> so now with the departure of Will, the the secondary is pretty new back. I mean, obviously you have the leader in Simmons, but when you look at the corner spot and trying to defend the the receivers the Chiefs are going to put out there, in particular this matchup, how do you feel about what they've been able to build? And was it that much of a surprise about Fuller? You know, to be honest with you, I, I'm looking at the Broncos' depth right now at cornerback. Now, last year towards the end of the season, I would have said, hey, this is an evident concern because their depth was depleted. They had three cornerbacks tear their ACL in the span of five weeks down the stretch for them. As saying Bassey tore his in the uh, Chiefs game on Sunday night football. That was a big blow for the Broncos inside the nickel. So that's what led to Will Parks coming back for the Broncos. And then Denver just, you know, they they didn't see enough to say, hey, we want to bring this guy back in our future. I mean, that was the thing. So Denver goes out, they get Ronald Darby from the Washington football team. They go out and they get Kyle Fuller, who has ties with Vic Fangio. And then Bryce Callahan's back healthy. And then they go out and they draft Patrick Sertan. Round one. I mean, they have loaded up at the cornerback position, not to mention they have Michael Jamudia as another guy that's working inside outside. And, and then not to mention you bring back Justin Simmons on a long-term deal. You bring back Kareem Jackson on a one-year deal. And then behind them, you draft two young safeties and you have a couple role players there. Denver right now in the secondary, they are loaded. And, and I think that's really a move that they're looking at the AFC West. George Payne says, hey, if we're going to compete with the Chiefs, if we're going to compete with the Chargers, we're going to compete with any team that likes to spread it out. We have to have the cover guys. No excuses. That's what George Payton went out and did. And, and they are a loaded room right now. They project. I mean, they could project to be one of the best secondaries in the NFL on paper. The on-field product, they have to go on. They got to perform that, though. Yeah, it all takes coming together. The interesting thing to me is I think they've they've made that a priority clearly in the offseason. And I like what they've done. Um, is Yadam still on that roster? I can't even remember. No, he's with the okay. New York Giants now. They traded him, uh, I believe it was last season. Yeah, they traded him last season towards the end of the year throughout training camp. They wanted to give him opportunity. He's having a great, great time in uh, New York. He's one of their top guys, so it's it's really odd to see how that played out. Yeah, a lot of potential there. I, I liked him pre-draft as well, but the question becomes, if you're going to have that on the back end, 
How can you execute on the front end? The Chiefs have rebuilt their offensive line quite dramatically. So it comes down to the health of Chubb. What Vaughn's still got in the tank? Like, how do you feel about the front four? Well, I think that Vaughn being healthy, I think that's a big addition now. That you know, can he stay healthy throughout the season? Can Bradley Chubb stay healthy throughout the season? Those are the big question marks. But you can make the argument if those two guys stay healthy, if those cover guys on the back end can really play good coverage for three and a half to four seconds, and that defensive line on the interior with Mike Purcell, you maybe send some inside backer blitzes with Alexander Johnson. You're going to have opportunities to create more takeaways. That's what Deborah needs. But having a healthy pass rush, having a healthy Vaughn and Chubb. That gives the Broncos the best ammunition possible against some of these talented offensive lines that they will face. Okay, my last thing about the Broncos then. Who's the guy we don't know about? Every year, somebody ends up on this roster, not necessarily UDFA, but somebody we didn't expect to see on the field. Who is it this time? Knowing that we don't play, the Chiefs and and Broncos don't play until, what is it, 11? (laughs) Week 11? Yeah, week 11 and then week, uh, the final week of the regular season, the that 18th uh, week. So the 17th total game, is that's going to be a wild thing. But, you know, a name to keep an eye on if you're a Chiefs fan that you may not have seen before, Tyree Cleveland. He was a Broncos seventh round pick in the 2020 NFL draft. He stepped up down the stretch for the Broncos last year, had a really good game against the Raiders. He has a tremendous playmaking ability. And Ryan, he is the talk right now of Broncos, OTAs, and training camp. And people that aren't being talked about enough, Tyree Cleveland is a name that you will probably hear and see in 2021. But Broncos country, coming up here in just a moment, Ryan Tracy and I, we're going to talk about the AFC West. We're going to talk about the Chargers. We're also going to talk about the Raiders from the perspective of the Broncos and the Chiefs. But before we do that, I have to tell you about the two other sponsors of today's episode of the show. That's a good friends over there, rockauto.com and Built Bar. Now with rockauto.com, with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all the parts that you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer choosing the only brand that his warehouse happens to carry when you have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rockauto.com is a family-owned business that's been serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years. You can go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything you could be looking for from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, or even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, you get everything you need delivered directly to your door in just a few easy clicks. And best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low, and they're the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts elsewhere when you could go to rockauto.com right now to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers, right? Lockdown Broncos or Lockdown Chiefs in there. How did you hear about his box so that they know that we sent you? Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com and our good friends over there at built bar the best tasting protein bar on the market ladies and gentlemen the bars are covered in 100 chocolate they're soft and easy to chew my secret formula putting one in the fridge or the freezer for an hour and then taking a bite into it i love built bar they have amazing flavors from peanut butter brownies salted caramel or even double chocolate and the occasional limited time flavor they have a flavor for everybody not only are built bars great tasting they're also healthy for you they contain 17 grams of protein only 130 calories and four grams of sugar so get your hands on a box of Built Bar today by going to BuiltBar.com. And when you go to checkout, use promo code LOCK15. You're going to get 15% off your next order. Once again, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Ryan, let's continue on with our conversation right here, my friend, about the AFC West before we wrap things up on today's episode. Lockdown Broncos, Lockdown Chiefs, crossover offseason edition. One of the things we've been talking about so far this offseason, our crossover episodes with Lockdown Raiders, Lockdown Chargers, is really what about the uh, the other teams? Like when I talked with the Raiders, we're talking about the Chargers and, of course, the Chiefs that you cover. Now we get to sit in a perspective of the Broncos and the Chiefs. We get to talk about the Raiders and the Chargers. Let's start things off here with the Las Vegas Raiders, a team that the Chiefs obviously went one and one with last season. Some competitive games 
Um, but obviously the Chiefs won in Vegas. The Raiders, they won in Arrowhead. What, what are your thoughts on the Chiefs offseason? For me, I, it didn't feel like they got better. I felt like they got a little bit worse, but that's just my perspective. I mean, I'm not going to argue with you. The the running commentary around Chiefs Kingdom is uh, that, that they've come up with a brand new defense. Uh, I think we're going to call it 50 cent piece because there's going to be eight safeties on the field, uh, apparently. <laughs> um, it's an interesting trend. I'm not sure some of the decision making. I question very heavily the decision to let Rodney Hudson go to begin with. I know Derek Carr has made some some comments about where he preferred to play and where he wouldn't. I think a lot of that has to do with who blocks for him. And I feel like for both the Broncos front and the Chiefs front, this looks like uh, an offensive line that is more susceptible than they were a year ago. And that's huge because, I mean, the quick passing attack that Derek Carr and John Gruden's offense implements is very, you know, monumental, especially with Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro. They lose Nelson Aguilar, but they get downtown John Brown. I mean, they have all these different options there. Uh, but outside of that, too, looking at the defense, Gus Bradley coming over as a defensive coordinator for them. I, I don't envision he's going to make these massive changes where all of a sudden they're going to be one of the top defenses in the league. I think that they, they're very young and they do have some talent, obviously, with Max Crosby, Yannick Ngakwe there now, but... I just I see them maybe being the least favorite team in the AFC West right now, at least on paper, until they prove us otherwise, which they surprised us last year, to be honest with you. They really did to start the season. Um, but now shifting our focus to the Los Angeles Chargers, new head coach in Brandon Staley, former Broncos ties there, Justin Herbert, year number two. We were all caught off guard and really surprised to see him really flash the way he did. And he happened to get his debut against the Chiefs after uh, Tyrod Taylor's lung was punctured. But what are your thoughts on the Chiefs offseason and maybe how they stack up in the AFC West? You know, it's been interesting because the Chiefs have been trying to formalize what they want to do on defense. It feels like a lot of the offenses around the West are trying to tailor themselves to stop the Chiefs. The Chiefs are not doing the same thing in opposite. Uh, they want to play this nebulous kind of secondary that is versatile but doesn't give things away. They can move pieces around. They're going to change the front so that they can be – Mush rush, a little bit like you saw from the Patriots a couple seasons ago. Again, not give pre-snap looks away. I think that's their their objective first and foremost. But I think that they've done some good things in Los Angeles to try to help Herbert. And, you know, peace to Tyrod Taylor not having to um, have that position work on him any longer. But <laughs> I, I think the question for me, Herbert was my number two coming out in that draft class. And I think he's lived up to it to this point. But the coaching change. You always wonder about that with a young quarterback. And does that carry over? He's got all the physical talents in the world. Drew Brees will tell you that. But it's about how can he get that playbook that much more simplified and aggressive, in my opinion, because I felt like he got left either in the pocket by his offensive line or by his own tendencies a little bit too long in his rookie season. Yeah, and not to mention they have great receiving talents. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, I mean, Austin Eckler, fully healthy. That's going to be nice to have him there. But, yeah, I, you know, I also think one of the underrated things, too, is the departure of Pep Hamilton. I felt like that was very instrumental for, uh, for Justin Herbert last year. We'll see how it goes. But, Ryan, thank you so much for your insight on the AFC West, the Chiefs, and also your thoughts from a divisional opponent's perspective on the Denver Broncos. Always appreciate you joining. And, obviously, Broncos fans, you want to catch a little bit more of what Ryan Tracy's doing. He and Chris Clark, they host Locked On Chiefs every single day on your favorite podcast provider. They're also on YouTube as well. So make sure you mash the subscribe buttons if you want the unique and different perspectives that the AFC West offers against the team that you were for on Sundays, which is the Denver Broncos. With that said, I'm Cody Gore, host of the show. Speaking for my good friend, Ryan Tracy. We'll see you next time. We'll actually see you in regular season, towards the end of the regular season, <laughs> where we meet two times for a crossover special. <laughs>